We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always by Alex Gibson and sensational Sean Nash. How's it going, boys? My boys, what's happening? Happy Thanksgiving. Holla, holla, holla. Happy Thanksgiving, indeed. We are mourning some tremendous defeats. Mile Ohio State Buckeyes went down for the first time in 15 years, not that long, but whatever, to Michigan. And Sean Nash, your beloved Detroit Lions, suck again on Thanksgiving and lose to my Chicago Bears. Welcome to the club. How's it feel? Oh, we feel shitty. So uh, we're we're very down. Alex, did you have anything depressing happen to you over Thanksgiving? Uh, No, but I I did just want to say it felt a little bit like the Undertaker streak ending. It was about as surprising as that when uh, Ohio State lost this week. When you win 80% of the time, 20% of the time you lose. When you lose 100% of the time, you lose 100% of the time. But join the club. It's it's fun over here that, on this that's side of the bus. That's some Steiner math. <laughs> <laughs> lots of tears and lots of pouting and pacing around in my basement. If this is your first time again listening to the show, what we'll do is we'll run down our matches of the week, news item of the week, segments of the week. Cringe of the week. Cringe of the week. <laughs> and then we'll also go over our things that we're anticipating as well with the week. So that's the format of the show. Let's dive right in, boys. What was your match of the week, Alex? So last week, I remember Sean mentioning that it was, it, for him, there was a lot of three-star matches, nothing that really stood out. And I felt that way about this week. Uh, I had a couple of different three-star matches that uh, I was kind of choosing between. And I ended up going with Jamie Hayter versus uh, Thunder Rosa. I felt like that match was a really good uh, kind of showcase for both girls. I think they're both really talented has me excited for the potential of Thunder Rosa as a TBS champion, the inaugural. But then beyond that, I felt uh, Jamie Hayter, who we've kind of always known was eventually going to break off from Britt Baker. It's starting to look like that might be coming sooner than I expected. Uh, And I I actually personally love the idea. It was cool to see her then come out on Friday night at Rampage with kind of, you could tell that she didn't really want to be there. She wouldn't go into the ring when they were trying to pull her in. They did a really good job of telling that story. I think it's kind of funny to think like when they do stuff like that, though, that it's all taped in the same night. That kind of makes it a little weird to me. But overall, I just thought that the match was really good. There was no there was no real big spots that stood out to me, but it, I thought it was just a really good technical match. Uh, Thunder Rosa always brings it. I think Jamie is somebody who, uh, you know, when she came over originally, she was kind of lost in the fray. But since she's come back, it's it feels like she just went away to wrestling school for a year. Like she trained like Batman or something like that and just became really good at wrestling. So uh, overall, it was a three star match for me. And uh, Sean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this was my match of the week as well. Uh, Three stars as well. I think Thunder Rosa is someone who always brings it. But quickly, we've seen that Jamie Hayter is someone who is going to bring it every single time. I watched this match at home with my mom, actually, uh, being Thanksgiving more uh, day before Thanksgiving, and she wouldn't shut up about this match. And she's someone who doesn't watch wrestling. So that kind of tells you something there. Just these two really kind of had it in the ring. I love what they set up with the future of Hater and Britt Baker going at one-on-one with each other. Maybe that, that family breaking up a bit. Um, the crowd is always going to cheer, especially for in a city like Chicago. They're going to cheer for Thunder Rosa. But to have dueling chants for Jamie Hayter and Thunder Rosa is pretty cool to see. Like Clearly, she's connecting with the fans. I mean, connecting with us, connecting with the fans everywhere. Really good to see. Really good to see. Brutal shots. Uh, Thunder Rosa's drop kicks are just pretty crazy. But 
overall, three-star match, kind of like you said, nothing really stuck out this week, but I think this match really shined, especially for the women's division. What are, You got any thoughts on it, Chris, or what's your match of the week? Yeah, I thought the match was very good as well. I love their uh, charisma that these two bring out of each other. Um, Thunder Rosa has so much energy and fire, and then uh, Jamie Hayter is, like you said, someone who went away to seemingly go to wrestling school um, and is a tremendous worker, and I think that program with Britt's going to be good. It'll be interesting to see who Rebel goes with on that. Um, they could go either way. I'm, maybe she's going to play at both sides, Paul Heyman style, who knows. Um, but it's an interesting feud, and yeah, a lot of continuity there of them coming out the next night or later on in the taping, uh, <laughs> looking all frustrated at each other. Um, and then during, actually, Britt Baker's match with Rio, uh, Jamie Hitter was totally nonchalant and not paying attention and very subtle foreshadowing of that eventual breakoff feud. So great match. My match of the week uh, was the eight-man tag. I really enjoyed this match with the Death Triangle and Cody, uh, who were not in sync, which was a good storyline to put through the match. uh, Most multi-man matches don't really have um, any kind of narrative or story, but that was the threat of this match, is that uh, Cody just not getting along with the rest of the Death Triangle, and then the evil heels of Malachi Black, Andrade, and FDR taking advantage of it. So a couple of notes from the match that I loved. Obviously, the the belt getting thrown back in the ring, um, and then Andrade throwing it under the ring and just getting the crowd to get so wild up with that. Um, Little subtle things of Cody looking to fist bump the death triangle, and they would, but Pac wouldn't. And then Pac also would never tag him in. Um, And that was the end of the match, actually, with the errant kick. Uh, knocking Pac out, and then Andrade hitting the finisher on Pac to win. Um, Love the spots. FTR really shined in this match. Um, They looked so great, and they were on fire throughout, Uh, especially Wheeler. Now, do you guys know why he goes by the gimmick name of Cash? No. Is that mullet's motherfucking money? That's Oh, the lamest oh, setup. You. you guys fell right into fuck it. You. But he's got like a bull. He's crank. got like a bull cut and a mullet, like a bullet. It's just the most amazing <laughs> hairstyle. <laughs> he keeps that lane forever. Fantastic heel. Love their antics in there. Uh, just little shit too. Like when they were all doing a beatdown of Cody in the corner, Dax is like checking his watch and just like the most just silly, goofy uh, heel antics. Uh, love the match. I I gave it four stars, but I can see people going. And it's only three or just getting tuned off by the Cody uh, shenanigans in there. But um, what did you guys think of that match? FTR, like you said, they're, I think right now they're the best tag team in the world. Uh, sure. I think that individually those guys could be even be stars by themselves. But it's so funny to me because I'm, I'm nearly positive that they didn't, even though they're both like North Carolina boys, they didn't know each other. They didn't wrestle together as a tag team until they were in NXT. But to me, they seem like two guys that grew up you know, since they were 14, deciding that they were going to be a tag team uh, they're They just they're in sync on everything. They love the same style of wrestling. They're always paying homage to, you know, the old stuff. And, you know, they have those shirts that say living legends. And I don't think that they're very far off. I think that they've really out of everybody that's had a chance to really prove themselves outside of the WWE. They are the ones who have taken the ball the most and ran with it. I thought that was an excellent match. I do want to say I don't understand how Andrade like he fell to the side wearing pants and then all of a sudden didn't have pants and was then in his trunks. 
Uh, he wasn't wearing those the entire match. That was super weird. And they just didn't even explain it unless I missed it on commentary. I feel like that was uh, one of those Mandela effect things. Like, did he actually come out in pants or did he have those trunks on the whole time? <laughs> no, I went back and rewinded it because I was like, wait, when did he all of a sudden have trunks on? So he yeah. definitely had them on. He had the long yeah, pants on. on. Was yeah. that during the picture in picture? Yeah, I think it was during the picture in picture. All of a sudden he was just in oh. trunks. It was just super weird. Overall, from a from a match perspective, I do think it was a really good match. It was three stars. Just it didn't fully connect with me. But I, I did think that there was a lot of great stuff with it with Cody uh, in the, the obvious rub with him and uh, Pac right now. I'm assuming that's where they're headed with the next feud. Uh, the fact that teams weren't fully getting along. I kind of want to continue to see like I want. FTR to almost move away from the pinnacle and just tag with, or not tag, but be in a group with Malachi Black and Andrade. They like just make a really nice like misfit couple. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was a solid match. I think it set up some good stuff in the future, uh, in, and obviously it set up some stuff that I think we have as our anticipation for next week as well. Yeah, um, I, Penta, and, or I'm sorry, Penta, Ray Phoenix and Malachi Black have tremendous charisma together, and they're very fluid in the ring. Uh, not so fluid as Arn Anderson. <laughs> he just seems to never be in the right spot during those moments where he's supposed to be somewhere and cause interference or distraction. Um, notice, though, that Arn and Tully didn't hit each other. So I think there's something, I think they're in cahoots. Uh, and we'll see some shenanigans with those two down the line. Uh, I agree. It's it's interesting to see FTR uh, with Andrade and doing so well outside of the MJF sphere. And I think he had what, like a two week deal on this FDR was an ex- and so this was a wonder- free week yeah. or something. Oh, oh, he does. Okay. D- yeah. yeah. I was just wondering how that's going to figure in with that match in the street fight next week with Andrade and Cody, but yeah, we'll see. Also Anything think on your end, Sean, that you thought. Yeah, it was a good match, but I think it was something kind of where there was something going on entirely outside of the ring and the, with the crowd, just there their heat for Cody that it took my attention away a little bit. I mean, that the fan throwing back the the belt was hilarious. I love, I love the arguments of you could have hurt the ref. You you threw it back. He's, he's throwing into a crowd of people who aren't at in a wrestling match. So they could be hurt too. Who gives a fuck? It was great to see. He still throws it back in the crowd. It was great. It was a good match. Three stars for me, but kind of just took me down one little peg just because I didn't have my full attention throughout the match. On yeah, it. There was a lot of distractions with that. And it goes back to, we said a couple of weeks ago when Cody was really leaning into his face turn and he had that surreal fourth breaking the fourth wall promo of like, okay, but now you're inviting the fans to hijack the show and it's going to impact the storyline and it's going to alter reactions that other wrestlers are supposed to be getting because you're so fixated on telling your story, whatever that is in your own head. That's um, a good, good point. And, and just a little things too. One more thing that I thought that was hilarious that we talked about in our message group. Malachi Black is the only person in the company to got <laughs> twice for Cody. I just love how like, they put that factoid out there. <laughs> Gotta be down back. Like mandated that. Like needs to get out there just to reiterate. I've only jobbed twice. <laughs> <laughs> But you got to love them. We'll see what happens, what the reaction is going to be next week in Atlanta. I think if the fans completely shit on him there, then I don't know how they get themselves out of this. I think uh, Tony Khan put something on 
social media regarding it being similar to Cena in 20 in uh, 2006. I still don't think that's the case and it's a false comparison, but we'll see what the reaction is in Atlanta. I'm expecting booze there too. And that'll be an interesting phenomenon to see. It'll be weird to kind of feel that out in person. That's kind of hometown, right? For him. That's his hometown. Yeah. yeah. God, I kind of hope, I hope he gets booed being into like becoming stardust again. That's, that's what I want to see. Bring him back. I don't want to see stardust. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have it turn into a gimmick. Like just be a heel. Go after Hangman. It'll be fine. You're a fin- He's a fantastic talker and heel. It'll be okay. Just get away from Malachi Black for a little bit. Okay, let's go into our moments of the week. Uh, across the board, we universally said the duel between MJF and Punk. So, Alex, what were your initial thoughts about this uh, great verbal spat between these two? Yeah, first of all, you know, you always have big expectations in certain scenarios where you're then almost worried that the expectations will never be able to be met. And this was not a situation where that happened. This was a, this was everything that we could have ever really wanted that uh, promo battle to be. I thought it was interesting the way that they did it. You know, a lot of times AEW doesn't do a lot of like promo duels in ring. Um, you know, usually it's a lot of like vignettes or one person talks and then there's like an interruption, but there's not really, really like the same way that like WWE would always start with Triple H having a 15 minute promo uh, and then, and then he promo uh, against somebody else. Uh, <laughs> and, the way that they had Punk come out for the match and then just immediately before his match started, MJF being MJF has to interrupt him. Uh, I just think it kind of it went along with the story and also it just kind of went along with the way that AEW does business. So that was really good because obviously that's what everybody wanted was was this promo duel. Um, I think that they just did a great job going back and forth. Um, you know, obviously there was like like Punk said early on with like it's low hanging fruit to, talk, to call out the UFC stuff, but that's exactly what MJF should be doing. Uh, same thing with the whole Miz comment, even, yeah. uh, Miz was, Miz was trending the next morning on Twitter still. And I don't think it was because of his, you know, what he had done on Smack. I don't even know if he's on SmackDown to be honest. Uh, so clearly that, that resonated with people. I think that, you know, there's very few people in the business that you could just be like, Hey, here's a microphone, here's 15 minutes. And they'll, they'll put on something that interesting. Uh, and, and punk and MJF are two of those guys that they could talk solo for 15 minutes, probably, but those two together there it's iron sharpening iron. Absolutely loved it. Um, I would have quit the podcast if either of you made your moment, anything else. <laughs> yeah, it was too hard not to make this. This was just yeah. 15 minutes of just hot heat right from the get go. Um, as soon as CM Punk said, you haven't realized that you're, you've been replaced by Britt Baker as the, the pillar like that that set it off into another stratosphere after that MJF was just swinging for the fences with his, his de- uh, degrading comments when he just like kind of like slowed it down. It was just like, your breast smells like shit just cracked me up. Just the way it just to demean him just a little bit hilarious. Uh, both of them just great on the stick and showed it so well. I think the, the Miz comment, the, the impressions, everything, bringing back that little song and dance that Jericho and him did. Totally forgot about that, but goddamn, did that make me just laugh at MJF. Oh, I can't wait for this to finally culminate in a, a great match. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you guys, what were your favorite zingers and insults that they gave each other? The pillar and the breath smelling like shit killed me. 
Yeah, I, I liked the pillar comment as well as um, the Miz comment, just because he really is like a Miz without rank, like without being WWE like PG era reined in. Yeah. Uh, what about respect. yours? Oh, what's that? The hustle loyalty yours? respect one. That was a good. Oh, one. Oh, hustle loyalty respect. Yeah, that was gonna that was gonna be one of mine as well. Good. And then when. Uh, <laughs> And Jan said he needs needed to go to sleep because of the way his eyes look. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, I for a straight edge person, he looks very uh, strung out. He, looks, he does look. <laughs> he looks like a meth head. <laughs> CM Punk's just posture the whole time was fantastic too, of just not being nonplussed and purposely trying to non-sell it. Uh, a thing that made this a classic all-time segment and is setting their feud up to be great. And it's not just two guys talking shit to each other. They both had a why and they both had a meaning behind it. Punk was careful to say anything to MJF because he doesn't want to trigger him because he doesn't think that he's on his level and it's going to feed his ego. MJF is pissed that he didn't come after him first when he joined the company and didn't name drop him when he talked about all the talent that he wanted to wrestle. Has a point. There's a story. There's a reason. There's a why. It's not fighting over an egg that's missing there's <laughs> or uh, pizza hut slices. There's an intentionality to what they do. And that's what makes wrestling compelling. And that's what made this one of the best segments that they've done in a while. I thought last week's segment or two weeks ago, segment, uh, excuse me, with hangman and Brian Danielson was going to be very difficult to beat. But I think this was one of the best dueling promo segments we've seen in years. And it belonged, um, as good as anything that you'd see in the Attitude Era with Austin, Rock, and um, Triple H. The only problem was we had to watch a match with QT Marshall after. I mean, I would have <laughs> loved them to just brawl and like, let's let's cancel that match. We we got our fill, but still had to see QT. That reminds me, Sean and I, we went and saw a Ring of Honor show. And this was before like <laughs> Hangman was really like popular. And Hangman was facing uh, Punishment Martinez, better known as Damian Priest now. And we were like, oh, that match is going to, I don't want to see that. And fortunately, basically what happened was they got in a fight like with a promo beforehand, and then they just didn't have the match at all. And uh, I wish they would have done that with QT. Chris was there, wasn't he? Yeah, I was there. Yeah. Uh, Chris was there too. I'll I'll cut, (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll edit that in there. Yeah, jeez. Jesus. Damn. Brutal. I'm sorry. How dare us not want to see a match with Hangman Page nowadays? Like, how did that ever happen? No, it's funny when you think about it, though. Like, yeah, that was something that we were like, okay, skip to the next thing. Because we wanted to see uh, what's-his-face wrestle in his fucking trucker hat. It was, (laughs) oh. Uh, Beer City City Bruiser. Mm. Yeah. That, what was that, Hiromu and Cody, too. That was a... Yeah, that was the main event. A lot of people on that show and a lot of folks that ended up going to AEW were there. I mean, it was very interesting to see how all that indie talent became huge names later on. Uh, But nevertheless, okay, let's move along here and let's go into what was the news item of the week for us. So, Alex, uh, start us off. What was the news item that stuck out to you? Hearing the news that uh, Johnny Gargano extended his contract with NXT, but only for one week. So his it was supposed to be. Uh, December 3rd, it was coming up, uh, but there's the War Games match in NXT coming up, and he is going to be in that, which another kind of interesting thread to that is he's done just about everything in NXT. He's held <clears throat> all the all the main titles. He's feuded with everybody. He's been a heel. He's been a face. He's kind of been the one constant that people have had for so long in NXT, and 
now he's just this is his last thing after this like there's not really anything for him to do in nxt and especially with it being the nxt 2.0 about the future there's not really a place for him so the fact that he only extended one week uh, that tells me he doesn't really have a whole lot of interest in going to the main roster um and then you know what does that mean for him outside of wwe is he going to go to aew i would love to see it him and andrade i've said it probably on the podcast i know i've written it uh him and andrade at takeover in philadelphia that's one of my favorite matches of all time um I know that a lot of people have problems with the fact that he kicks out at least like 70 times per match. But uh, overall, I'd I'd love to see him in AEW. I think there's a lot of guys he could have incredible matches with. Uh, imagining him showing up in Dallas for the uh, winner is coming to as the open challenge for Sammy. That, yeah. that, oh my God, I would love that. I think those two could really have a great match together. They have very similar, like they're kind of built similar um, I'm sh- I would imagine Sammy's a little bit uh, influenced by him. Uh, so overall, I think that that for me has been the biggest news just because the the one week only just tells me that this isn't something he's thinking long term. I, I mean, that's not a like a big brain thought. One week is only, it's not that long term, but I, I just don't think that he would have signed a one week if he actually wanted to stick around. So I'm excited to see where he goes. If he ends up somewhere outside of AEW, I'll follow him wherever it is. Um, but I just think it's really intriguing for what that could mean for his future. Yeah, it's a shame that he's missing out on a main roster run as Shorty J. But yeah, yeah, you could see that coming <laughs> for sure. It's weird to see this like NXT 2.0 versus old school NXT as like the War Games stipul are like side by side match, and just it's really coming to an end. The NXT we once knew, it feels. But there's not a place for him in there, and you know it, it is time yeah. for him to move on. I wonder, like, creatively, and just being in there for so long, anyways. Um, but you never know. Maybe he's interested in being a trainer. You know, I mean, Tommaso. I think that was his gig. Um, I think I've read that before that he really wanted to stay there for life, and maybe that's what he does. So I don't know. But I think he's a little Johnny Gargano is a little bit young to retire and not wrestle get out of the ring maybe it's something he comes back to down the line he just wants to leave on a good note um and be professional in in his leave like adam cole was and yeah he would be perfect as a challenger for winter is coming that would be oh yeah sean what was your news item of the week um kind of struggled for news of this week actually but uh i saw gcw ended up selling out their uh pay-per-view or show that's going to be at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York, uh, January 23rd. There's a sweet hype video on Twitter, just really sold me on it. We were going to go to a show forever ago. COVID happened. They made it, ha- brought it back. None of us ended up going. It ended up being just a blunder of the day. Made me want to go. Uh, it's good for them. That's crazy for an outlaw mud show indie cult to put on something like that. So good for them. Um, it's not for everyone. Uh, but just good to see the industry kind of growing in areas that aren't just the one stagnant corporate industry that we've known for years. It's it's pretty wild to see like the big indie that's coming up that's able to to sell at Hammerstein Ballroom is is a pretty violent you know deathmatch style company. I wouldn't have ever guessed that you could ever really get that mainstream enough, but they've created a really loyal fan base. Um, and you know, they've got guys like Nick Gage who like, okay, so I don't love, uh, um, the king of this shit. <laughs> I don't love, 
uh, deathmatch wrestling. But for some reason, I love Nick Gage. He's like such a unique character and like person. And you hear like all these great things about him. Like now, like as he's gotten out of jail and how he's changed his life and you really want to root for him. And you see like Janela, who's kind of floundering, I feel like in AEW, but I'm pretty sure he's still like their main booker. And like he always finds like unique talent. Um, you know, I, I know none of us here are huge Marco stunt guys, but he was like the first guy to give Marco stunt like a chance and he went viral and that kind of got him to where he is. Like Janela has an eye for like talent and like going viral. Um, so I think it's cool. Uh, I I'd love to see there be like another like traveling, like indie company though, that just does kind of more traditional wrestling because to be honest, like, you know, we didn't go to that GCW show. I know they're coming back, I think in like January or something like that. I don't know if I really want to go. I, I I have no desire to breathe in light tubes that have been busted open. Uh, but overall, I think uh, it, it's good for the business if it's if if people are going to shows that aren't just AEW WWE. Uh, so still great, great, and congratulations to them. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there's more sellouts. They're not big promotions, but they're um, indie sellouts at venues that you know maybe before all the the freezes and the releases. They were only going to sell maybe 50% of their tickets. Now they're at 75 to 80 to outright sell out. There's a lot of talent on the market. So provides uh, an opportunity for other guys to get a work. And yeah, it's said that there's not an Evolve that's viable. And hopefully ROH figures out whatever it's going to be too. Um, maybe they just are a promotion that has one set location and it's in a weekly taped you know, arena. Maybe that's what they do to make it easier for costs or so forth. I don't know. Um, but yeah, hopefully they're... Uh, the indies uh, are thriving as well. Yeah. And this is kind of a, a tangent from that, but uh, it just reminds me like with, with all those releases and all the people that are available now, it reminds me of uh, on rampage this past week when Tony Nese said to Sammy Guevara, you're only the champion because people like me weren't available. And that comment, just thinking about that and like how many people are available, there really can be some really great indie shows. There can be, a lot of great guy, guys that can make a lot of money out there uh, without being on TV every week because there's just so much talent and, and it's it's like an overload to the point of like there has to be a lot of sellouts because people are going to want to see all these names uh, doing what they can do and they're not going to be able to see them all on TNT or USA every week. Yeah, and I think it's going to make the TNT title more captivating too as we have, uh, what is it, three months until Revolution. There's going to be a need to have a new weekly challenger. I wouldn't be surprised if that title changes hands and Sammy loses it to someone. Um, and with all these indie talent, you can have someone who does like kind of what Jeff Cobb did years ago, where he has a one night stand and does a great match and, you know, goes on his way. Uh, Mercenary. I love that. And that will come over too. Um, so they can promote wrestle kingdom as well. So there's a lot of like future events that are coming that guys can showcase their talents and skill with um, my news item of the week. And, Kind of reiterating what Sean said, it was a slow news week. There wasn't a lot of crazy things happening, um, but mine was the announcement of Battle of the Belts. I always loved Clash of the Champions and Saturday Night's main event as a kid growing up, and I think this is going to be a continuation of it. There's not a lot of details known yet if it's going to be an hour show or a 90-minute show. Um, 90 minutes would be cool just so you can see every belt get defended. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they do Hangman and... Brian Danielson for that, or they do Winter's Coming for that match, or they keep that for the first episode on TBS. I don't know what their plans are yet, but um, there's a lot of big events coming up. So uh, that'll be an exciting show to say the least. 
I I love the idea of these Saturday specials on TNT because, uh, you know, for us, the $50 price point for a pay-per-view, it's an easy decision, especially when you're splitting it amongst friends and you kind of get together, go, you know, go hang out for the day. But for some people that maybe aren't really watching AEW or, or aren't even really wrestling fans that might stumble upon it. I think it's a really good opportunity because you know AEW is going to bring it. It's not going to be a traditional like episode of Dynamite type of thing. It's truly going to feel like a pay per view, but it's for free. So, especially with it being the Clash of or you know Clash of Champions esque, um, I think that uh, it'll be really interesting. Like you mentioned, to see like when do they slot this Daniel Bryant? Uh, yeah, so much music. God, I, I uh, have to look up the words. I'll do it next week. I did um, last week. They're not that bad. I'll. <laughs> I will. Yep. My God. Oh, um, uh, finally it's happened. Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan. I might as well get something out of it. There, there go. we go. Uh, <laughs> anyways, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where they slot that hangman match, uh, in terms of, you know, is that going to be a, a TBS debut TNT? Um, and then overall kind of seeing like, I, I imagine that they're not going to keep the FTR Lucha brothers stuff going all the way until then. So who's going to be the, uh, challenger for that is there going to be a big T- tnt title challenger we're going to get to see who the tbs champion is right around that time uh it's just a really in- an interesting time and it's going to be some free tv for people but also uh hopefully just bring in some more eyes and uh you know definitely increase the uh the fan the fan size for t for AEW because uh, i think we're at a point where i really want to see them like be able to clear that million viewers every week I want to see them be able to, uh, you know, really kind of take over the mainstream because I think that they've been they've earned it at this point. Yeah, be- they've produced quality television, but with football, it's difficult to get those types of numbers on like a holiday week, Friday and Saturdays. It's going to be difficult mm-hmm. too. So True. having it after college football season is going to help their numbers. It'll be inter- interesting to see because there's so many feuds that are. It's a it's a month out still, so we still have. Are you still going to drag that FTR Lucha Brothers and whole extra month? Riho just won her Black Friday deal match with Britt Baker, but are you going to wait a whole month to have that pay off? Does that Jamie Hader feud go on? But I want to talk about that later. Just interesting to see. I can't wait to see what uh, what we finally get to at that point, and I'm excited. Yeah, and, and I will- a lot of wrestlers too, which I like about AEW, they don't have one. I mean, they have a predominant feud or someone that they're rivaling with, but they do have other side rivals or there's other things in the hopper. So things can't get stale and there's always a backup plan if life happens and someone needs to go out or someone's injured. Um, and on the Bucks Twitter page, they kind of they put out like this, the note, the kind of like writing scribe emoji, like till 2024. So I guess that may have been the yeah, contract. They, signed, they got a nice contract time. in my mind. I'm like, do they got the book written till 2024 going Gato style? But that makes yeah. more sense. <laughs> yeah. That was actually going to be a comment. I, I totally just blinked out. Thank you for sharing that Sean about Gargano because yeah, young bucks up re up too. That was kind of a news item as well. I don't know if they're going to keep their VP titles or not, but uh, certainly as talent, they're going to be with the promotion for a few more years. I was telling Alex, it's weird to be like an EVP or cre- creator of the company, but still have a contract to sign and work. But I just, the way like, it is. yeah. And I do think that like, I think I've heard before, like Triple H has two separate contracts. Like yeah, he has so a all the employee. Yeah. If, yeah. If the King and of Kings then a, does. And then a talent one. <laughs> <laughs> <Even> you- 
that was a whole other part in the the CM Punk MJF thing. Like the bringing up him, that was great. And the Tony Khan having a daughter, and you'd marry him, that then you'd be number one. Yeah, just so, so many <laughs> great lines. Got to take it back. back. It's it's too big for one segment. I, I do want to just real quick uh, talking about Battle of the Belts just mentioned like I wish that they would announce this stuff like more in advance just from the aspect of like I would have loved to have planned to travel to Charlotte for that for that show but like kind of like a month month and a half away is just like a little bit like too close to cut it especially like flights are already expensive and it just would be nice like when they're doing big shows like it feels like AEW kind of only announces like one to two months in advance. And I don't know if that's because they don't want WWE to like try to jump their schedule on things. Yeah. Uh, but it would just be really nice if we would have had like two or three months. Um, I mean, it would have been hard this year to, to justify because we're going to WrestleMania already, but I would have considered it for a Saturday night, you know, special event. Yeah. And speaking of that, the pay-per-view rumor to be in Orlando, Alex and I, I think we're talking about, it'd be cool to go to Disney world and universal studios and mm-hmm. all of that shit too. And yeah, that would be an interesting like documentary in itself of like trying to book things and what that looks like in the face of COVID. And then also WWE probably just being competitive and not letting them lease certain buildings or just whatever weird leasing arrangements there are in certain locations and buildings, uh, contracts that they have that makes this building exclusive to one company or another. You never know. It'd be an interesting documentary to get into. So Let's go into our cringes of the week, Alex. Besides uh, getting a certain name wrong and being and being uh, <laughs> and doing some karaoke for us next week, what was your cringe of the week, my friend? Yeah, beyond that and the fact that we had to switch hosts because I was doing so bad, that was pretty that was pretty cringy as well. Uh, <laughs> I I didn't really have anything like or AEW wise like that was like oh my god this is terrible. Um, so what I went with like it's not too terrible it's just the gun club i i feel like they're not getting any reaction <laughs> i don't really know why they're putting them especially putting them on like dynamite like okay maybe hide them on dark or, or whatever but like i just don't really see the value i don't think anybody who's like a for like an old-time fan is like oh billy gunn is on this is on this show i i gotta watch his you know i mean like jericho i think does bring in eyes of former fans um other people will too but Billy Gunn is just, he's Billy Gunn. He's not, he needs to drink water. He's like, like just looks, he just looks like he has 0% water in his body at any given time. His sons are just kind of like, I, the one that I don't even, I think it's Austin who's just like super like loud. And like, he was always super obnoxious during the COVID era. I, I dislike him because of that. Uh, I will say Darby with that shoulder yes. tackle or whatever you want to call Wild. it that was incredible and i and i will also give credit to once again i think it was austin his sell of it he immediately he like if you looked at him like afterwards like he didn't even roll around he just died he just he just sat there he just laid there and didn't move and i thought that was perfect he didn't oversell it or anything like that i just i don't want to see the gun club on on regular tv i they don't do anything for me they don't they don't do anything for the crowd i feel like you could have heard uh, a pin drop when they were coming out, if they didn't have music playing. And I just, I hope that this isn't a long-term thing. I hope that they're not trying to like really push them. Uh, I mean, obviously I don't think they're pushing Billy Gunn, but like his sons, I just think that they don't, they're, they're not at a point yet to where they really should be getting main television time. I do love that theme song though. Billy Gunn has an amazing track record of getting hitched to awesome theme music. That is low key. Great. Probably an acquired <laughs> taste, 
but I fucking love his theme music. And I think the only, yeah, maybe the other reason why he's getting pushed is he's best hidden in a tag team. Um, and I don't know, something about their undefeated record. They've had such a good, you know, fictional run. And like from a ranking standpoint, they have to get a title shot at some point to justify the ranking system. I don't know. Maybe they'll do a job to Lucha Bros afterwards. And it's a way to get Sting involved in doing something too. Maybe there's someone from the Attitude Era who is big into Crow Era Sting versus Mr. Ass. That was their dream match. You never know. Yeah, that, be, maybe that, that, that's what that. this is all. This is what it's all been about for Tony Khan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> reason this, he wanted a book. We're going to throw in the Sting giant. versus Rockabilly. Hey, <laughs> 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 right, Sean, what was your cringe of the week? My cringe was the the fan attacking oh, uh, yeah. Seth Rollins. I've wanted to call him CM Punk so many times this week. This is probably why they made him put that strip, that blonde strip in his hair back in NXT, Seth Rollins. I don't know why, but Seth, love him. Always been great. And I mean, he kind of handled it like a professional as much as you can when someone just comes up at you. And I mean, he put him in a little guillotine headlock, but unfortunate to hear. And it sounds like there's a little bit of like catfishing going on and the guy lost a bunch of money to a fake Seth Rollins out there. And it doesn't sound like this is the first Seth Rollins catfish. So for some reason, Seth Rollins is the person to catfish around. But sad to hear. Hopefully it's not like an issue of mental health or anything. And we've seen this plenty of times, and this is probably one of the most calmest reactions a wrestler's had to a fan attacking them. So good for Seth, bad for the fan, and we'll move on eventually. So, Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where you know, Seth handled it about as well as he could. Chavo like put out a tweet of like, I remember back when yeah, that wrestlers was... were tougher than really. Uh, yeah. He said, I, I think it was, I remember back when wrestlers were tougher than the fans or something like that. And it's like, Seth did exactly like he handled that perfectly considering yeah. he got blinds, like right. Yeah. Like he, he did a, he did a perfect job to me. And I, I will also say that Chavo owned it. He was like, I'm not going to delete the tweet, but I'm sorry. I said it. So at least he, you know, did it in a way of like, I hate when people just delete tweets and don't acknowledge things or they, you know, they just kind of pretend they didn't say anything. So I at least respected that, but stupid comment. Um, I will say I read, I read the like WhatsApp messages or whatever that got released of like the, the catfish. There was zero reason to ever believe that that was actually Seth Rollins. Um, I, I think it, it just looks bad on, on the, the industry and the fans, you know, everybody always has a low opinion of wrestling fans. They think we're not intelligent right. Yes, and we, we think it's all real. We'll fall for it all. I sit here and tell you, Oh no, we all know it's, we all know it's scripted and it's okay. And then stuff like this happens where clearly that, that fan, there's no way that he believes that wrestling is scripted really based on like the stuff that he was talking to, you know, the Seth catfish about and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, thank God he wasn't able to bring a knife or, you know, bring anything in any type of a weapon in with him. Otherwise, we could have seen something way worse happen. Uh, and I I just have no I have no desire to, uh, you know, see a dime bag Daryl situation with a wrestler. Oh, don't. Yeah. I saw a comment about um, this was the same place where they had the Hall of Fame speeches where Bret Hart was attacked. And it was like the same oh, kind of it? area that the fan got through. Maybe just a less guarded area from security, but it's crazy. I think, and I totally forgot about that attack on Bret Hart just a couple of years ago before COVID happened, but 
yeah, we need to be better as wrestling fans. One bad egg, you know. Yeah, and you you took the words out of my mouth, the Dime Big Daryl reference, because I think with the Sonya Deville thing, we got so close to a tragedy happening there. It's mm-hmm. shocking and it's sad, but it's the state of the world or state of America that there hasn't been gun violence at a wrestling show or there hasn't been multiple fatalities yet at a wrestling show, which is so fucking sick and sad to say, but that's the country we live in. Um, so yeah, shame to see. And, um, there, there's no right way to handle it too, as a publicly traded company and Seth is worth so much money too. What's the point of kicking his ass? It's not the 1980s and mid South. You don't do that. Just let him get arrested and take him away. And it's sick and it's sad. And the guy probably does have mental health issues. Like any person that jumps in the ring doing that, you you're, there's something not working with you cognitively that thinks that's, that's a great choice. Yeah. And just uh, about the, like, you know, there's no, there's no good in like, you know, attacking him or taking his head in or anything like that. Imagine if it does come out that he's got some sort of a mental health issue or he's just, you know, maybe, um, you know, any, anything that's wrong with him, then all of a sudden, even though Seth was in the right to, to be mad and was attacked at the moment, like he's going to look like a piece of shit. If there's like something that this guy actually truly has, that's diagnosed and everything like that. There's, yeah. there's no winning with that. Cause it's not a fair fight when you're a six, seven, this isn't Seth, but just talking about wrestlers in general, someone who's six, seven, um, steroid user for 10 years, they're going to beat the shit out of a five, eight drunk guy who's, you know, has some sort of debilitating mental disorder. It is just a sad thing. And you should be a big enough man to just let security take care of them, even though security wasn't doing their job. But nevertheless, it's a it's a sad thing. And it is like a scar in the industry that these idiots do this. And please, you're not part of the show. Sit the fuck down. Shut up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my cringe of the week, which was a very minor cringe, uh, reiterating kind of what Alex said, too. There wasn't a lot of things that went on in the industry besides the Seth incident that was um, depressing or sad or anything along those lines. Um, I'm just not a fan of in-ring wrestling comedy. So my cringe was the best friends uh, duel of <laughs> Adam Cole and best Bobby Fish proclaiming that they were better friends than the best friends. Um, just wasn't my cup of tea. There was nothing too terribly wrong with it. I just don't like it again, in ring wrestling comedy. Um, some of the highlights that I could say though, about the match itself. Uh, I do like how orange Cassidy in the match wasn't able to fully get his hands in his pocket when he was taking off his coat. And so he had a running threat of trying to put his hands in his pockets repeatedly during the match. Again, not my cup of tea, not funny, but at least there was something that there was some continuity there. And it'll be funny to see, like, what happens to Orange Cassidy if he does get, like, a WWE deal and he knows he's on his way out or if he's just not going to re-sign. Like, when he doesn't give a shit and phones it in, that will be so funny to watch as, like, an abstract performance art piece of just how, like, how Andy he, like, he doesn't give a fuck less. <laughs> so it'll be funny to see, like, what he does creatively when he's just burnt out mad just, if he decides not to do it or even conversely becomes a heel what a heel orange Cassidy would look like. It just made me think of that. So uh, not a big cringe. just not my cup of tea. I want to see Adam Cole looked as look as strong as possible. He's able to pull this shit off, which is why he, he does it. I think it's something that he enjoys and that's what they, that's the being the elite style of comedy, I guess. Uh, and he can pull this stuff off, I suppose, and, and uh, recover from it. But I would love to see him look more seriously as he gets a run, hopefully with hangman. 
it looked like going back to the promo, they kind of just didn't know what anyone was doing. It seemed like Adam Cole cut off Bobby Fish. So many yeah, times. Bobby like, Fish asked Yuta, what's like, Yuta's what was name? It? Yeah, it just was not, yeah. Just, it couldn't it was, have been, like, you only did one take. I don't know. It just wasn't yeah. working. Um, especially with segments being so on fire. And that was uh, one of those things that, like, yeah, something has to be the worst segment creatively or just not look as strong compared to pieces of gold throughout the rest of the show. So um, it kind of um, was a sacrificial lamb. I, I do want to just going back on the Orange Cassidy and like him going into like a, a meta, like I don't I don't give a fuck and type of a thing. I Sean and I were talking yesterday uh, during the Ohio State Michigan game. I don't know if anybody else saw that game, uh, yeah, but yeah. we were talking and uh, I I like Orange Cassidy, but I just I can't get behind how how much he's featured. I don't I don't like that. He's getting like title pictures, really, like maybe TNT stuff. But I think that they should like it's a less is more thing with him, both for his character and like for his actual like how much I want to see him. Like the more I see him, the less I really care for the gimmick. I think like now that all of a sudden it seems like he's always trying. It's it almost feels like he's always trying now, but he just does the lazy stuff because he knows it gets the heels upset. Whereas I preferred when it was genuinely like he couldn't be bothered to wrestle. Yeah, the, the in Orange Cassidy's defense, again, not my cup of tea either at all, but supposedly he draws ratings and gets eyeballs and and at least the you know tony's listening to the audience and the criticism that i'll read about orange cassidy online is like well he does the same thing every week it's like well every fucking wrestler does the same thing every week how many times did jerry lawler pull down the strap and drop a fist or rick flair do a flop people like seeing repetitive shit because they're there live they want to see austin drink beers they want to see hogan do the you know the ear thing it was a highlight for me to see austin do that the DMD, as we're doing right now, you can't see it because we're not on video, but we're all doing it together. So we do like our shtick as uh, wrestling fans. But uh, again, not my cup of tea either, but not a big cringe. It just wasn't my particular thing. And um, at least Adam Cole still comes out on this well and gears up for them to be uh, split off from the elite as um, the 2.0 version of uh, an NXT gimmick that they can't copyright. <laughs> okay so let's go into the positive here let's talk about what we're anticipating next alex what's on your mind what are you anticipating in the future one of the best matches i've ever seen in my life was uh live at takeover toronto it was diy versus now ftr in a best two out of three falls match and we're going to get to see ftr in another two out of three falls match next week on rampage against the lucha brothers that match has classic written all over it uh, I'm a little bit bummed that it's not on dynamite. Uh, I told Sean, uh, like I just, the fact that rampage is taped, I just feel less urgency to watch it, especially because it's on at 10 o'clock at night, but either way, it's going to, it's going to be in a, just an amazing match. Um, I'm not sure who's going to win that. I I'm torn on if I want it to be FTR or Lucha brothers. Cause FTR didn't get a great first run. I mean, it was fine. There was nothing bad about it, but it just wasn't the level that I felt like FTR's title run could have been. But also, I'm not sure I'm ready for the Lucha Brothers to lose out. Uh, there's some great matchups that the Lucha Brothers could have, you know, especially when we look at Battle of the Belts coming up soon. But that match is just going to... If they took the entire hour of Rampage and just made it the two out of three falls match, I don't think that that would be a bad decision at all. And uh, I just... I can't wait for it. That yeah, would be yeah, cool that to was see. What I was, oh, sorry, John. No, I, I just wanted... That would be cool to see just like one match throughout a whole Rampage, an hour long. That'd be... That'd be cool. 
Yeah, I, th- that's what I was hoping for, too. Um, Rampage is it's a B show, but it's not a terrible B show. I like an hour long wrestling show. That's solid. I, it harkens back to superstars and wrestling challenge for me as a young pup. So I don't think there's anything wrong technically with it. But I yeah, I agree that there's less urgency and there is going to be a show that is going to be the lesser. It's just inevitably how it is. Um, there's one marquee game. It's the Cowboys. There's the Lions also. That has to be the B show. I'm sorry. What? what was that? <laughs> Some of us just, like to be hurt. It's better <laughs> that my team lost. I just have to shit on yours more. That's all right. Um, I'm <laughs> no, but I'm I'm excited for the FTR and um, the Lucha Brothers match too. I think it'll be a great bat- bout because they do really showcase their skills in a two out of three falls match and that allows them to use more psychology. Um, I think that I noticed too during the eight man tag, and this is just me being a conspiracy theorist, but maybe that's why FTR would just have times of not being on TV when they were with WWE. Cause anytime that they're featured, they just look like great tag team wrestlers that are legitimately big stars. Like they do so well in their role that they overshadow people um, just because they do their job so goddamn well and they're so effective at what they do. So maybe that's why sometimes they go away. Like after they lost the titles, they were kind of gone in AEW for a little bit. Um, but anytime they're on TV now, they look incredible. Even if they're not winning, they do steal segments. They are the most attracted to your eye as a fan. So I'm excited to see what they do if they get some more time. Rampage is going to be fucking awesome. Uh t- next week with with that match and then the uh sammy and uh who the hell is he wrestling tony niece tony Tony niece that's right athlete which i want to see because we've kind of made some like shitty comments about tony niece like not knowing the words (laughs) i want to see him like get his shine and be able to have a moment because i almost feel bad just we just he's been kind of the butt of the joke because the way he's been shot and featured (laughs) just kind of this weird afterthought so i'm hoping he does well and that beat down with sammy was pretty sweet yeah, it was that beatdown was really cool. Um, just going into the FTR and Lucha Brothers, this is kind of beyond that anticipation. But whichever one of them wins, I really, really want to see one of the next challengers be uh, proud and powerful. Uh, it's so weird to me that they just kind of got stuck into like we're in the inner circle, so we don't go for the tag titles or anything like that. I would, I think both of those teams could match up well with them, but I think especially the Lucha Brothers, where proud and powerful, yeah. could be an absolutely insane car crash, but five-star match. They were kind of simmering too, coming out of all out and at, at the Arthur Ashe show, they were, their, their temperature was rising and then they kind of went back in the shadows and catacombs a bit. So um, I thought maybe they were going to get the shot as opposed to FDR. So maybe they're coming back at it again. That'd be sweet. Uh, I think we've seen a couple too many times, not too many times, but we've seen the proud and powerful FTR, the pinnacle battles, so it'd be cool to, I would, for once, I would like to see the Lucha Brothers beat the FTR in two out of three. My anticipation, though, a little bit probably more down the road, it's the Jamie Hayter, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, breakup, inevitable feud that they really kind of hinted at that hard on Wednesday and then sold it again on Friday in the taping. I just think that. Anything that Britt does is going to be a fire and this little, there's actually some kind of build to it that's been going on for years. Jamie Hayter's never done the finger taps like us. She's clearly not a true 
dental hygienist. <laughs> she's not a, fan. Yeah, she's not a real know. fan like us. What would you? We're not the testicles to to Britt Baker, whatever she would be. Uh, it's going to be a huge launching pad for Jamie Hader. I mean, she's not really had a feud in AEW yet, so this would be probably the biggest you can go for at the moment. Just, I'm excited for that. That super kick was a nice right to the chin. I'm excited to see where we go from here and how, how long it takes because this kind of might be a little slow build with AEW the way they do it. What do you guys think? Yeah. And they can involve Shivani with it too. Oh yeah. Um, I know that sometimes people get, they find his involvement off putting, but he's hilarious. And just as this hobbled down beaten guy, maybe they can fight over custody of Shivani. <laughs> be something humorous to do to just to keep the story moving. Um, and Jamie Hayter also could be paired up with Serena Deep. They both have that intensity Ooh. where they're constantly focused on who's in front of them. They have this style of they only look at what's ahead and they're they're always in attack mode. They're in ring style. So I like the two of them possible as a pair. And that, and that, that would be a great tag match with uh, those two versus uh, Britt Baker and Rebel. One of my favorite ways to get people over like that are that are kind of on the come up is that the the Batista or the Randy Orton style where they break off from their mentor or faction and they kind of get that chance to shine. So I'm always excited when we get to see that opportunity, especially when it's somebody who you could see a lot of potential in. Uh, Cause sometimes it's like, Oh great. Alex Riley is breaking off from the Miz. You know, that's <laughs> not, that doesn't do a whole lot for me, but I think that hater can really become a star. But I also think that this is an opportunity to do the double turn that you, that you really want to do to make Britt Baker a face so right now it's kind of looking like, oh, Jamie Hader would turn face and then, you know, face Brit. But I, I actually think that there's a good chance that this is, they flip this and this is how Brit goes, uh, to, to being, you know, a face rather than a heel. And if anybody can pull it off, it's AEW. For sure. Um, and I don't know if I pointed out earlier, it's good to note she, she lost by a roll up. So um, they're keeping her hot maybe that that would make a whole lot more sense that she kind of seems more of like a heelish character and obviously Britt can do both and master it. So that'd be interesting to see the double turn, like you're saying. Yep. And she could also wrestle with Thunder Rosa, uh, she being Jamie Hayter. And then regarding Britt Baker, you're only as good as your dancing partner. And she's clearly the marquee star as a female wrestler. And she's the one that you want to get behind. Um, from a marketing standpoint, from a corporate synergy, whatever the fuck standpoint. So um, Britt's only going to be as good as uh, a hot opponent under her and coming up to uh, feud with her. So yeah, hopefully this builds and they get to have a great payoff. Um, speaking of feuds, it just kind of came in my head too. Um, I've been loving as well the uh, Brian Danielson and Hangman feud. That is simmering right now and they're doing a, doing a tremendous job with that. Um, it's just funny. I was thinking of like when we went into full gear after hangman won the money in the bank chip poker thing, whatever the fuck, (laughs) you know, there was a little bit of reservation of like, eh, it's not as hot as this feud should be. Um, but this is red hot and intense right now between hangman and Danielson. And they're doing a great job together in the ring. Uh, and it just shows what they are capable of doing as a promotion when there's something at stake. And they do a masterful job in storytelling. And there's so many big shows that are coming up. So you don't know what's going to happen. So for us to talk about what we're anticipating, it's kind of hard to decide right now because there's so many great feuds in the hopper. Yep. And and just to to go off of the Danielson and uh, Hangman. Oh, yeah. Look at that. I don't, nice. wanna, I don't have to karaoke two weeks in a row. Um, the 
I think I saw a comment where Danielson had said like he was a little actually kind of worried about not having the scripting that he had in WWE when it came to promos because he ha- he's had that for so long and here there's so much creative freedom. He's done a great job. Like he's definitely you could see like the WWE influence in the way that he like interacts with the crowd sometimes, especially when he was like a face. But he's been amazing. I mean, the the we talked about it previously, the way that he was able to get the fans to boo him like that as soon as he was like as soon as he's like, OK, guys, I'm, I'm a bad guy now. He was able to get people to boo him in, a, in an instant. So he's doing great. And it's kind of it's crazy to see somebody who's as great of a wrestler as he is, like still have like doubts about their own abilities. Uh, because he really shouldn't at this point. Yeah, all they need to do is continue those Dark Order matches for Brian and continue to have this little head-to-head talk feud with him and Hangman. Just continue that, oh, Hangman's on some coward shit, not cowboy shit. But truly, it's the chicken shit heel. It's who's not fighting him still. So it's it's culminating so hot. I can't wait for this to to finally happen. Yeah, do you think they pull the trigger on that for winter is coming or they do the when January, is that the december, uh, december 15th yeah okay, december 15th oh, that's i think time. they hold off to the new year yeah i think so all right well that just about wraps us up for today's show so thank you for listening again please subscribe to us on itunes or spotify give us a five-star rating and also please put a question in the comments uh we'd love to address it and talk about it on the show uh, and of course, visit wrestlingelitist.com. That's our homepage and our website. We'll, we'll, we will be posting some articles uh, in the weeks to come about some various topics. So thank you for listening. Be safe. Recruit, hit that music. Hit the music.